April 8th, first thing in the morning. I was talking with a friend the other day about what life will look like after the COVID-19 surge. We kind of went into the conversation wanting to think nostalgically about normal. But the more we talked, I realized something that hit me like a truck. In the aftermath of COVID-19, it's going to be really hard for hospitals and health care systems and health professionals. And this is why. Right now, we're asking everybody to delay their care. We're asking people to avoid the hospital, to try to arrange phone calls or telehealth visits with their clinics, and above all, to avoid coming in. Some of these issues will be handled perfectly well by telemedicine, don't get me wrong. Um, we can refill medications, talk through a lot of common healthcare problems and make sure that they're not progressing. But I think a lot of people will simply not seek care in any way during this time. They won't replace it with telehealth visits. Instead, they'll just delay or defer care that actually is really important. We're seeing a little indication of that several weeks into social distancing. Some people are coming in with very poorly controlled diabetes, for example, or they let symptoms of heart failure or asthma or really bad abdominal pain go on a little bit too far and they're coming in with their health problem quite a bit more downstream and severe. And at that point, it's often harder to manage than if they'd come in a little bit earlier. I think that's happening en masse across the population and we'll only see the full extent of it when we open back up after the COVID-19 surge. I really think there'll be so many delayed and deferred problems that would have been so much simpler to handle if people were able to see their provider as originally scheduled. In some cases, it will make the difference between being able to effectively treat that problem and not being able to. I mean, think of things like a funny little skin lesion that probably should have gotten into the biopsy earlier. In some cases, that'll end up being a malignancy. I think operating rooms at some point will need to run 24-7 or something close to it to catch up with all the elective surgeries that we're delaying right now. Also, I think some of those elective surgeries aren't that elective to the people who are waiting for them. I mean, think about gender reassignment surgeries. One of the really sad things I've seen in the emergency department is people who have been waiting for those surgeries and waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally all the stars aligned, and they're scheduled into that surgery in March of 2020. And then COVID-19 comes along, and they're told that they have to reschedule those again. And it's devastating. I've actually seen that situation directly in my clinical practice and it was so painful. Really just one of those quiet tragedies that's very hard to appreciate right now anyway that, that maybe we'll capture afterwards. So anyway, we'll have all these deferred visits that we'll need to catch up with immediately post-COVID-19. And that's exactly the time when our resources will be depleted. All the medications that you need for critical care are the same medications you need in the operating room, the sedating and paralyzing medications we use to put people under for surgery, we're depleting them right now. So I just said at some point we're going to have to run these ORs 24-7. I'm not sure that we can or that we'll have a full supply of everything that we need to do something like that and catch up. And medication supply is something that's really tough to ramp up and replace 
there's also all the people who are running out of their regular medications that they take as an outpatient. I'm thinking of the people who are on Plaquenil, for example. That's hydroxychloroquine, which happens to be the medication most touted as potentially useful against COVID-19. There aren't even adequate studies to establish this, but people are rushing out to get prescriptions so they can use it as prophylaxis or treatment. But a lot of people are on that for actually an evidence-based indication like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or other autoimmune diseases. And those patients right now are being asked to stretch out their supply. When this is all over, uh, our goal is going to be to get people back to their regular treatment. But some of them will have had to go through pretty awful symptom flares, and some of them will face national medication shortages and will have to continue to wait to get back to their normal regimen. The other resource we really need to worry about is is our human resources. Right now, we're depleting the workforce. Already, so many people have been ill, so many people will become ill, and just coming back after the surge, a lot of people will simply be really burnt out. We saw that in Italy as they faced off against the virus. They had healthcare providers who were out of the hospital because they were physically ill, but they also had doctors and nurses who had to drop out of the workforce at some point because they were so mentally drained from caring for not only the sheer volume of patients, but also for their friends and colleagues. We have to recognize that many people will be completely drained, exhausted, depressed, traumatized from having dealt with COVID-19 right when we're asking them to come back and ramp up their practice so that we can get people caught up with their health care. I know it might seem like a weird time to talk about the aftermath of COVID-19, but pretty soon we're going to have to pivot to that. There are a lot of post-COVID-19 questions coming up now that I don't think we have good answers for. What does coming back look like? When do you get to open your doors again? How do we know it's safe? What kind of testing do we have to have in place in our communities and among our healthcare workers and among our patients to feel confident that our health centers themselves will not be locations where we are allowing a resurgence of disease? The point is we're all trying to figure out what normal means now and how we'll get there. April 8th, pretty late at night. I'm about to go to bed, but I had one more thought, which is about another aspect of return to normal. I think the number one thing I've been asked over the last 24 hours is, will the kids be able to go to summer camp? And parents out there, I hear the desperation in your voice. I understand that many of you realize something that I've started to realize on week three of social distancing and school closures, which is that my relationship with my kids is kind of predicated on the fact that I'm apart from them for eight hours a day, which is really a terrible thing to say. And I will add that I find them very cute and I love them so much. And all of this FaceTime is kind of difficult We are using our iPads and our TV much more than I ever thought possible and just trying to have grace with ourselves because there are times when you just need a break. I found myself in my closet the other day with my phone just trying to get a little bit of alone time for myself. 
Anyway, I hear you. I don't have answers about summer camp that are any kind of good news, so maybe I'll just be quiet on that front. But I wanted to shout out and say I am feeling you. If I have good news at any point, I will definitely share it. And in the meantime, let us all be inspired to embrace social distancing and stay-at-home orders so that we can get to the other side of this and really appreciate our normal lives uh, in a way that we never have before. That's it for this doctor's log. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you.